When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 83 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Fan Hub, where the fans come first. I'd like to say we've got a first timer on, on this week's show. Um, it's always good to have a, a new voice and a new face on the show. And the, the guest this week is obviously Evertonian. It's it's Mike Murphy. Mike, how are you, mate? All right, fellas. Yeah, good, thank you. Really good. Well, apart from yesterday, which uh, we'll come on to, won't we, but... We will, we will, mate. Unfortunately, it's not been a fantastic week for the uh, for the Blues, and we're going to come onto that, that onto that very shortly. Um, it was it was a, it was a week. We, last time we all got together um, was was before the Chelsea game, with it being the the Monday night game, and we we got together at a chat and we previewed that. And um, I think there was still optimism there. We had El Pivote on the show, and I think. The general consensus was we could get something from the game and, and how important that might be psychologically going forward, taking points off a, a Chelsea side who, who certainly turned a corner under a new manager. But Peter, if it comes to you first, and I don't want to dwell on the Chelsea game because that, that's been a gone and, and it was almost a bit of an acceptance with that result, dare I say, as much as maybe they shouldn't be. But it was an acceptance of where we are as a side and as a squad. But the Chelsea game went potentially the way that that, that we saw it last week when we spoke. Yeah, I think so. Um, and like you say, it's hard to get the balance, isn't it, between you know acknowledging that we didn't have a, a first choice squad out, that Chelsea are flying. Um, you know, they're, they're still sort of riding the curve of having the new manager in um, and sort of going back to a formation and system that they've had a, a well an awful lot of success with. And you know, wanting to have the mentality that ultimately you want to try and win every game or get something out of every game and be competitive. So, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. I think, <clears throat> obviously, I, I missed most of the game. I did force myself to um, to watch the highlights afterwards. I think we were just we just couldn't match the pace of Chelsea. I think they were too organised, too aggressive, um, too hard to break down, and it was all about that first goal. And I think as soon as they went ahead. It was just too difficult for us to get back in front, really. Yeah, you you have the same same opinion, Mike, in terms of the, the Chelsea game. Um, would would it just just too much? Was they just that that little bit stronger now and, and a little bit further in in their journey? Um, in terms of you know looking to make top four on a regular basis and where where Chelsea should be, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think the difficulty is you kind of when you're coming up against sides like that. Who've got a? Who've just put a good manager in? 
you'll see the benefit of them spending, you know, three hundred million pound in the last window where they spent and spending it well. You know, not kind of doing a Everton Steve Walsh era and just blowing money that on players that aren't proven and that we don't really need. You know, they've kind of targeted what they need. I've added it and and Tuchel's starting to get a bit of a tune out of them. So uh, for me, that was a lot of it. I think Tuchel kind of, I think he figured Everton out a little bit around that right, our right-hand side, where, I mean, the, the, I think it was the first goal particularly, they, they kind of pulled Holgate out and then Awobi didn't follow it. And there was a kind of a clear hole there that no one else had really exploited. And I think I think Sean Dyche kind of replicated it again yesterday, actually. Um, I, and it, it just felt like a side who were a bit further along than us. It was a bit more class on the pitch. And, I, you know, the tactical astuteness as well to make the best of their talent and, uh, and to expose kind of where we had a bit of a weakness, actually. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. And obviously, we're going to discuss the Burnley game. Very, very shortly. Um, but but leave, you know when you when you when you look at Chelsea and you look obviously at the performance they put in against us and, and how much they've been, they've improved um probably tactically I'd say uh, under under the, the the new manager. Do you see that as a as an, a real aim for ourselves somewhere that we that we should be looking to get to over the next say two, three, four years as you know Carlo hopefully you know Goes through his contract, signs a new deal, we move to Bradley Moore. Is that the aim that we that we that we need to be looking at? Someone like Chelsea. Well, let's put this into context. How long's Abramovich been there? Mm-hmm. You know I mean, let, let's have it right. Chelsea, you know, they weren't exactly the you know the most historically largest of clubs before he came in, were they? You know, I mean, they, since since he's come and pumped in his money um, again pre FFP, they've been able to scale that team. You know, to to heights already, haven't they? You know, they've already won the biggest trophies in the game since Abramovich has come in. So um, they're they're almost on a on a rebuild exercise now. Tuchel's been a fantastic appointment for them. You can see that. Um, and for me, the, the game was a reality check for us. You know, we just come off the back of three wins. We were right in the mix. We were, th- you know, we were talking on the pod last week when we were thinking, right, if we can take a point, you know, in, in effectively a six point game for the Champions League, we're still going to be in it. But we were never really in the game. Um, and as I said, it was a, it was a proper reality check. When you, when you look at their bench, they could afford to make six changes and still feel, feel the team like that. And you just think like, wow, um, unbelievable. And the, the talent they were bringing off the bench. Um, I mean, Jordan really kept the score down, didn't he? You, you know, he had, he had a good game. Um, I thought if we'd have kept it tight like we have done in these types of games, and we looked like we were going that way until the cock-up, obviously the mix-up, and Mike just alluded to them with the Wobi. He obviously lost the run of Alonso and it was a good ball in. And then obviously he was quite fortuitous with the goal, really, wasn't he? He was going wide by the looks of it and deflected in. So once that first goal went in, it was always always a massive uphill climb and we just really couldn't get to grips with him. Um, but yeah, I expect Tuchel's Chelsea next year will be competing for the league. Don't be surprised if, um, if, if it's not them and City next season. Uh, that are the top two. Uh, ironically, probably the two biggest spenders as well. Yeah, I mean, with 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 Chelsea as well. Like you, you said, then Lee, in terms of the bench that they, that they had, but also the changes that they made from the previous games. They made five changes, Chelsea, and the what they didn't lose was quality in terms of the side that they had out there. Now, what what we're finding at the moment ourselves is that outside of our our best, say, 11, 12, maybe 13, at, at a push, maybe 13 players. 
when we have to make a number of changes, when we haven't got our best eleven, which we haven't seen since the, the early part of the of the season, to be honest. We struggle in terms of the quality we've got on show. And there's no like for like replacements in a lot of areas. So we lose, you know, for the for the you know, the sake of the arguments, Hamez has been injured lately. There's no one like Hamez to come into, into that side and have the same kind of quality and same kind of ability to open open sides up. Um if we lose, say, Dominic Calvert Lewin, which we have for a couple of games recently, uh, we haven't got another another striker who's as effective as him. We can, you know, we scored 19 goals this season now. Um, so we 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 are a way off at the moment. It's not to say we're not going to get there, of course. I've got I've got total faith in the minds, yeah. You know, the uh, Marcel Brands and also Farhad Mashir as well to, to do the business, all, all committed to the to the club. Uh, but we're still a way off being able to probably compete with those kind of sides on and be consistent on a on a regular basis. Um so th- there was an acceptance that I, I was on the Toffee Blues um post match on their channel after the game last week and I said that there was, you know, I would I wasn't sitting there full of doom and gloom. And the reason why I wasn't was because yeah, we have to sort of accept where we are. We have to understand where we're trying to get to. And sometimes it's football. You lose a football match, you can't win them all. What's annoying me more since then is what happened against Burnley. And I'm going to jump jump straight to that because, as I say, the Chelsea game was a little while ago. I don't want to dwell on the Chelsea game. I don't think it was important in the grand scheme of things um, because we had Burnley on the horizon. And for me, playing Burnley home or away is always a massively winnable game. But peace. Burnley pissed me off more than probably any game this season because we seem to be getting ourselves into a great position on quite a few occasions this season to strike for that top four. Chelsea dropped points at Leeds just before we played. And time and time again, we keep on throwing it away. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, Burnley were good at what Burnley do. I wouldn't go as far to say as Burnley were good. It was a good night for Burnley in terms of a Burnley performance. They, they sat back, they tried to make it difficult for us and they snatched, you know, the couple of chances that came the way. I mean, the, the, the McNeil goal was, yeah, it was a tough finish, but I mean, I'm sure we'll come to that in a minute. He should have never been in that position to be able to get his head up and pick that spot. But we were poor. We were incredibly poor. And, you know, particularly through midfield, um, I can't be too critical of Alan, but he didn't look on it, he didn't look fit. And I think... We were sort of talking to one another, saying, you know, if Decorvi's available, Alan's probably not on the pitch. Um, and every time Burnley sort of came forward on that counter-attack, it just, it was so easy to pass through us. You know, and and this for me is the point, you know, it, it, Burnley weren't great. It was, it was side-to-side passes. They would just go down one flank and knock it sideways across to the other. And there was bags of space every time for them to feed passes through. We made them look like Man City. And it's really hard to... You know, to know what that's about. Is it, again, you know, the squad's, the squad's quite leggy. We've been unlucky with injuries. Uh, we sort of set out with this diamond system. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to scapegoat Alex Awobi, but for me, the spotlight was on him as soon as you saw him in that starting eleven. You know, after the comments he made, I think Ancelotti handled it really well. And he's put he's put him there, hasn't he, in the, you know, sort of tip of the diamond in the sort of number 10 role. He looked bright and sparky for 10 minutes and then just went missing. Um, and as the game went on, I just found myself getting more and more frustrated with him. Um, 
And I think he's probably going to be running out of chances with a lot of Evertonians. I think he's certainly on the end of mine. So I think across the pitch, we just weren't good enough and, you know, for, for several reasons. Yeah, Carlo, Carlo definitely got the formation wrong. I think he'll, he'll admit that now, playing the diamond. Uh, it's easy to say that in hindsight, obviously, isn't it? Because it's worked for us in a few games. Um, but he got it wrong there. Alan, Alan was, you just alluded to it there, Pete. Alan was massively exposed. Massive. They were winning the ball off us. We were giving it away in stupid areas, winning the ball off us and were just onto us. And Alan was just literally having three, four, five players running at him. And, you know, they had about, what, five, six shots in the first half hour, didn't they? From All from the edge of the box. Um, and, yeah, it was just hugely frustrating because we actually started reasonably bright, I thought. Um, you know, we, we, we seemed to be playing with a bit of intent. We obviously knew it was a big game. Carlo had called it, almost putting a bit of pressure on the players as well, saying we win this, we're right in the mix. Um, which is nothing wrong with that, you know. Focusing the players, they, they seem to come out with a bit of intent. Richarlison had a snapshot, then he got, you know, it was Wobie actually that put him through for that. You know, had a snapshot, good save by the keeper. Um, and you're just thinking, right, yeah, here we go. Look, we, if we get this goal, and I, have, I don't think I've been that livid for a long time when we conceded. Um, a, obviously, Tom, who's been playing well recently, dawdling on the ball. You know, if we've all been critical of him in the last few years, it's that type of thing where you just you can't give the ball away there, mate. You just can't give the ball away in that position. He's too weak on the ball there. And then we get obviously they get a bit of fortune now. It falls obviously the clearance falls straight to him. But I was I was seething then because we all know we all knew what Burnley were going to bring. You know, they get that first goal, it's going to be a slog in it. It's going to be an absolute slog. And and that's how it that's how it turned out to be. Um, O'Neill, you know, McNeil, you said, look, I mean, that's just a that's a class goal. You've got to hold your hands up there. He, he's done Allen and he's bent it in the top bin. Uh, you'll have that shot twenty times, probably score one or two. So it's just an absolute class goal. But yeah, that first goal was the killer. If we'd have got the first goal in that game, I genuinely think, even though we didn't have a great game, I, I think we would. I think we'd have won that game reasonably comfortably in the end. Uh, but it just lifted them. You could see it. They all wanted the ball. Burnley were like, right, we're on it. And, and they looked like they were going to score at one point until he changed it after about 35 minutes. They looked like they were going to score every time they went forward. Um, so, yeah, just just another hugely frustrating game to watch, wasn't it? Yeah. I, th- I think I th- what frustrates me about this Everton team now is that there's no one who grabs a game. You know, there's no one who, who says, right, OK, we've gone one down here. We gave a silly goal away because, you know, Davies got caught on the ball. He tried to do that thing that he does where he, you know, he puts his body in and wins free kicks. And he, he did it about five minutes before, won a free kick up the other end. But it was na- it was naive doing it there. But, it's, you know, it's gone then. But he didn't, it, was, it wasn't really until the second goal that Everton switched on and tried to do something with it. But you go, I think it was 2-1 with 30, 31, 32 minutes gone. You've got an hour of football left there. To try and take the game on and grab the game by the scruff of the neck, but there's no one there that does it, and and I think that's been part of the problem for them this season. Is you've you've had these home games against teams who are in the the lower half of the division, where you've gone one down and nobody's stepped up, no one's gone right. Give me the ball, you know, give me the ball, or I'm going to start tracking, I'm going to start chasing, you know, and, and trying to make something happen, and and. It, it felt it just felt like that again. Yesterday I watched it back again today and it felt like the same thing. And he was so passive in the game. And it was, you know, you're playing Burnley, you're not playing Man City. 
you let Burnley play, and they, you know they played some good stuff, and they look good. But but you you got to look at the Everton team there and think right, who's who's taking that on? Who's taking charge for me? You said it, didn't you, leave John there? Well, early on in the game yesterday, it was, wasn't it? You you, you said to us um, that, you know, there's, there's no one who, who wants to sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck for, for want of a, of a better freeze, you know, and, and be brave on the ball. It, there was there was a little bit too much of, was the one time we had, we had a corner and it worked its way mm. back to Jordan Pickford. That yeah. kind of situation. But you want someone in their area to do something different. And and sometimes we we, we, we just want to take the easy option. Um, and that, that's frustrating. We, we know um, we know when we haven't got hammers playing, and, and even you know, lately to a certain extent, Sigurdsson. You know, I'm, I'm not his I'm not his greatest admirer. Never have been, and I think I think a lot of lot of the uh, the the issues with Sigurdsson is because of the price tag. To be honest with you, but to be fair to the lad, this season I think he stepped up in terms of his you know with, with what six goals, nine assists. Um, he, he's providing a little bit more creativity. In the round the box, we've seen it. Um, now I'm not saying, by the way, he's a he's a like for like replacement for for Hamas Rodriguez, but we haven't got another player really to to step into that that number ten role and make something happen. And that's why when it will be, you know, whether he what he said on Instagram this week was uh, in relation to playing for for Nigeria and playing out of position or playing for Everton and playing out of a position. It's neither here nor there. A big thing was made of it. Carlo answered the question, I thought, really, really well in the press conference. And he's given, like like he said, Pete, he gave him the chance to, to go out there against Burnley and show exactly what he can do in the number 10 role. And we've always been saying ourselves, we think that, he, you know, if you let him play a, a bit more centrally, Iwobi, he can do a lot more. Um, you know, in the end, he got moved. He got moved to the wing in the end. Um, and when you've got a situation where someone's saying he want to play in a particular position, when it's when you when you put it on the toes, they've got to take the chance, and I don't think don't think he did. But you know, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that we we are lacking in probably creative and players who who are, who are brave as well, and that's our biggest issue, especially against these kind of sides who we struggle to beat to beat all season. You know, but Burnley was just another for me, another West Ham, Newcastle. Uh, those kind of games, and it was it was as simple as that, but so but so frustrating. But you know, we, we it's 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 more frustrating the fact that we could have taken another big step to qualifying for Europe, and yet again, Peter, we just we just seems to want to lash it away and don't want to take that step. And like we said, are brave enough not to take that step on the pitch? Yeah, and I, I think. You know, we, we spoke a lot on the podcast, haven't we, this season about a shift in mentality, and I, I still believe that's there in the squad. But for me, it, it, it's more about personnel. I think at this point in the season, I think we've been really um, sort of unfortunate with the timing of certain injuries. I, th- I think you know, not having access to Hammers now for an extended period of time, Sigurdsson for whatever reason not featuring in the game, as you said, Mike. Um, so I think the hope for me now is that the players can bounce back. I think that will be the real test of our mentality, really, um, and whether that has changed. We've got a little bit of a break now, haven't we? I think before um, the the Palace game, and the, I think the, the thing we can hope for the most is that we get players back fit and ready, and we can try and attack this sort of next group of games with the strongest squad possible. I know we won't have Decore probably for about another ten weeks, which is a massive blow. But 
I think that's what the season's going to come down to, really. Um, who we've got available, what quality of player we've got available um, for each of the games. Yeah, the, 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 the stats at home are really damning, aren't they? They really are. Um, we've lost seven games at home. That's just absolutely unbelievable. As you saw the stat. We've all seen the stats got popped up in the game as well. We're the worst team in the league for shots taken at goal and the worst team for shots on target. Um, we've literally now, uh, there's a stat I read the other day, in 11 home games in the Premier League, we, we failed to score a goal in the second half. I mean, that's just, what on earth is that? You know, I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, look, you look, our away form has saved us this season. And it is an anomaly of a season, obviously, with, you know, with there being no fans. Because, you know, I, I definitely say if we did have a full Goodison every week, we wouldn't have, a, we wouldn't have stats like that. But that, that for me is just absolutely scary, that, when you think about it. But I look at Everton. I'm interested in what you think, Mike, actually, coming on as, uh, as a guest. But, like, Everton in the first seven, eight games of the season, we looked a completely different team. We looked dynamic. You know, I, I, we always reference that Spurs game, obviously, and even the games after that. We, we, we'd look free-flowing. We looked dynamic. We, everyone wanted the ball. You know, we had obviously Hammers, you know, pulling the strings. Uh, Calvert-Lewin was scoring goals for fun. You know I mean? You, you know, literally, you know, we're talking about like that, that hat-trick against West Ham. You know what I mean? That, that goal he pulled out, the one he pulled out from the sky and lifted it over the keeper. You know, he had a very similar chance yesterday, didn't he? And he obviously controlled it, then scuffed it with his left. Then he, then he miscontrolled another one with an amazing ball from Allen outside of his foot. Again, miscontrolled it. A great chance to score there again. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, it just seems... I don't know whether Carlo, since he's had a few injuries, we all know he's reverted to being more pragmatic. And that's the reason why we've actually got results against team, teams who want the ball and dominate the ball. As soon as we have to put it on teams and going, right, we're at home now, it's Burnley, they're going to sit off, let's take it to them. We just, we, we just look absolutely woeful at the minute. And it's, I can't get my head around it. I don't know what you think, mate. Yeah, I... I think it's difficult. I think the start of the season, it was that he, he kind of looked at, it was a bit like a world-class player bounce where Rodriguez came in and there was, there was all stories about him in pre-season and the players were like, never seen anyone like this, you know, mm. sure kind of over the past few years of people like Umani Ass in training and then you've got that same group of players are seeing like Rodriguez come in and just yeah. that's such a class. They felt like it gave everyone a bit of a lift. And I think it was the West Brom game a whole where there was... Coleman kept on shouting. You could hear him saying, give it to Hammers, give it to Hammers. And I think there was a, it was a real lift on the whole team. So it kind of, it set that style of play. But I, I think the problem was they kind of had on like a floating 10, but left Coleman exposed on the right. And then I, th I think Ancelotti looked at it and was like, we're starting to get found out here. I think it was Fulham away. And it was, it was, you know, it was ridiculous. It was like a five-a-side game. I think after that he thought he, he shifted more towards the pragmatism. I think he, I think he had to, to be fair. Otherwise, you know, we were, we really were kind of on the tear towards kind of the, the negative side of it. But I think a mix of that pragmatic style and taking and him being on the team, players haven't got that confident outlet where they know there's someone that they can give the ball to who will always control it, who will always find a pass. Or, or will win a free kick. It's very seldom does he give it away. And, and I think with that, a lot of the players have started to go into themselves a bit. You know, there's, go back to that point of there's no one grabbing the scruff of the grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. There was a few occasions yesterday where Alan received the ball and there was and there was no pass on. It was you know kind of like some of the worst days of 
of some of the other managers where everyone just ran on and turned the back to him. You know, there was no one kind of making a run off or, you know, coming back to him to offer, to, you know, let him make a run away um, and try and find those angles, try and find that space. And it, it just feels a little bit like in those games where we've got to try and make something happen without that outlet of, of Rodriguez, then, or even kind of Richardson pulling wide and just putting one into the channels for him. The players have, have started to go into themselves a little bit for me. And, and that's what's causing them the problem. Yeah, I, I think I think if you look at all the games, if you were to watch all the games, if you were suicidal, by the way, and watch them all, all all those horrible bloody results we've had against teams that are, you'd you know we'd say we'd we you know normally beat these teams at home. I think they've all followed quite similar patterns. I think we've become super easy to play against. A lot of, a lot of these teams will do the same thing. They'll press us. They'll press us in certain areas. They'll force us to go out to the fullbacks, then back inside. You know, most of our goals have come from like set pieces or crosses, haven't they? You know, we very rarely played through teams, and I just think you know, you know that that ties in with your point. It's normally Hammers that gets it on the half turn and is looking to find the clever pass. You know, that pass against Liverpool, for example, yeah. there's no player in our squad that could have done that pass. You know, it was it, the ball was pinging around everywhere. One touch, bring it down, see the pass, bam, deliver it, perfect goal. I can't think of many goals we've scored like that. You know, there's only yeah. been a handful. There's a lot of goals have come from set pieces and crosses, and Teams, teams are doing that too. Teams are literally forcing us, you know, to, to play in that sort of way. Really, you know, as soon as it goes yeah. out wide to Holgate, Holgate's first thought is right, check, go back out to either back to the centre backs or to Allen. And like you said, Allen looks up, goes, "What have I got on?" Right, yeah. go out wide to Dina. Dina then stop, right, check, and it just it's just side to side to side to side, and it's it's slow, it's laborious, it's like. You know, to be fair to Gomez yesterday, uh, and this is not just as you know bandwagoning him again, but Gomez looked the only one that was trying to get on it, you know, and trying to make things happen. His passing yesterday was actually pretty good. You know, he was switching the play. He was, you know, he had a, he had a, a pop shot with his left foot, but you know, and he, he put in a few decent deliveries from set pieces himself, didn't he? You know, we, we probably should have taken advantage of it, but I just think you watch the game. I don't know what you think, Mike, but it's like. They just I, seem to follow the same patterns, don't they? They yeah. seem to follow the same sort of patterns. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think I do think they suffer from a lack of balance on in the team in terms of, you know, just you you either got kind of got one out and out fullback in Luca Dean playing, or and then kind of a no fullback on the right, or you, you know you've not got kind of two proper wingers playing, and I think that without Hammers, there's not that quality to play through the middle. So you haven't got someone who can kill the ball, you know, like the Liverpool game, kill it in one touch and play a pass where it's just on a play for Richarlison. Or, you know, kind of anyone who can kind of play around someone in the middle. So ultimately, kind of ultimately then the best space you're gonna find is out wide. But we've got, you know, we've got a centre half playing right back. And then if Luca Dean's on the left, he's got no one in front of him. So I, I think it's become a kind of because of the personnel he's got. There's a lack of balance there. So where he's been able to work a system away from home, when you've got to kind of play onto teams at at home, because teams will sit back and look for a point, look for a point or look to hit you on the counter. There's he, he hasn't got that kind of those outlets right and left that you'd have if you say you had a fully fit Coleman and a fully fit D, and then you know say Richardson on the right and somebody else on the left. For me, I think what it, I think what it's showing though as well the the, the last you know couple of games maybe especially is how much you know we, we discussed some of the recruitments briefly with, with Andy last week and how much we, we need improvements on the right hand side 
you know, yeah. right back. You know, Seamus Coleman's been the great servant, but you know, we we haven't got someone to come in. And this is this is no slight on Mason Holloway, by the way. I don't think he's 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 been particularly great, but his natural game is not 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 to be a marauding right back and putting in a, you know after and crosses into the air. He's, he's no he's no Luca Dean, is he on the left hand side? And that's not his fault, you know. Um, when Godfrey plays on the left, he's effective. I think through sheer through sheer pace, to be honest, you know, he, he's not he's not throwing throwing crosses into the box of, of, of any kind of great quality. But I think the right hand side's being shown up, and we need to, to to really address that in the summer. There's obviously a lot of talk over Max Aaron's coming in, which would be would be a good deal. You know, he's a, he's a good good young kid. Um, you know, we, he's he's got suitors at Bayern Munich as well, Man United. A lot of sides sniffing sniffing around them. Um, but also that you know. Whether it's a right winger or someone to, to be on the right as part of it as a of a forward three, um, we need we need that address in this summer, and that that for me will probably give you you allude to balance there, Mike, and I think that's what we're looking for is yeah. that balance and to have quality throughout the side, but on you know on on both sides. But I think the right hand side more than anything this season is is probably shown shown uh, how much work needs to be done in terms of recruitment. To get that up to scratch and, and on par with what we've got in Luca Dean, the Charleston, when he plays on the left as well, because um, there's definitely definitely a lack of lack of balance between between the two sides. We've got no right, right side really, have we? We've just got no real right side. There was a couple of snippets of play in the game where you're just shaking your head and you're just thinking, what is going on here? There's no connection between the players. Um, you know, even Coleman, Coleman for me should have come on a bit earlier because we could clearly see we needed some threat. You know, Holgate got into some really good spots. We found him out wide, and obviously, look, let's. He had a poor game, but he's a centre back. You know, we're asking the centre back to to do his a job there. You can't expect him to put crosses on a sixpence. Um, and he got into some great positions. You know, Coleman should have been on a bit earlier. Um, but it's so disjointed down that right side, really is. But I, you know, I wanted to say, um. Quickly mention about about Dom. So Dom Dom in the last few games is you know as, as good as the season he started, uh, the way he started the, uh, the start of the season, he was burying chances, but he was having quite a, quite a lot more chances. Now in the last few games where we've been a lot a lot more pragmatic and we're nicking games, he's barely had a sniff. Now, yesterday it was completely different, wasn't it? He had some really good chances yesterday. Um, I mentioned a couple there. You know, one where he, he tried to bring it down, miscontrolled it. Another one with that Alan pass. Another one where Iwobi actually put it into him again. He miscontrolled it. Um, it was all in the first half. Obviously, he took his goal well. Great ball from Tom there. Lovely flat cross, loads of pace on it. Good movement, great header. Then he had a very similar header, didn't he, straight after half-time. And, you know, we needed that to go in. If he scores there, you get that little bit of momentum. You've got a whole 45 minutes then to have a real go at these. And, you know, he's completely miscued it, hasn't he? Comple- he's not even close to connecting with it. Yeah, you know, I'd rather he's absolutely nutted it and Pope pull off a worldy save, but he's just like I know Mike, you said, didn't you? You kind of like he probably didn't expect it to come over his head. But I mean, I just thought, Dom, you've had a great season, you've scored 19 goals, you've really stepped up. You know, you've had four or five really good chances in this game, mate. You could have come away with a hat trick. On another day, you could have come away with a hat trick there, and you know, we could have nicked the game three two. Um, and you know, it's hard to be critical of him because he, he has been one of our best players this season. But in that game there where we needed to get a result, he had enough chances there to win the game. I don't know what you boys think. Yeah, I agree. I think I think with Calvert-Loom, and we always discuss him, great, great season, great season for him. And I'm delighted for him. And like I said to you before, Lee, you know, um, about Calvert-Loom, 
he's scoring most of his goals in the six-yard box, isn't he? He's there, he's on the spot, he's sticking the ball away, doing what a striker should do. I think if you if you look at yesterday, and there's, there's been other occasions over the course of the season, I think sometimes that that natural ability as as, as a striker sometimes is not quite there yet. I think it and I think it will get there. As I said last last week on the podcast, the development of Calvert Lewin over the last sort of 14, 15 months has been spectacular. And for me, one of the most improved players in the Premier League by a country mile. Because if you look at where he was and what you know, the stats that we received from Calvert Lewin. Um, as much as he was, you know, f- full of beans and full of energy, a lot of questions were surrounding whether he could actually make it as a tough flight striker. Um, he's proven all his doubts was wrong this season. You know, scored 14 league goals, which is it, which is a fantastic, fantastic account. The most, the most goals scored if you take away penalties by any player in the Premier League this season. Uh, um, but I just think that a bit more work needs to be done. I think with certain parts of his game, he's still only young. It's, it's going to happen. But you always look back on games in the season where the, the result could have been different. And if, you know, Calvert-Lewin sticks just one one of those goals away, we come away with a point. Um, but, like, but like I said to you, though, before, Lee, as well, a big issue that we've got is that there's just too much of a reliance on Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richardson to score the goals. There's no one else in that side yesterday. You know, take away, I know Keane scored a few goals from you know, corners and, and what have you this season. But in terms of our, our midfield, especially who I'm looking at, the likes of the Awobis and Tom Davis, Andre Gomez, not, you know, not so much Alan, but, you know, he's, he's another name to throw in there. Even, you know, the likes of Luca Dean, he, he hasn't been shipping him with goals particularly. Those players need to take it upon themselves to, to take the pressure off our two strikers because all we ever do is look at, oh, Calvert-Lewin missed, say, two or three chances there, or Richardson should have done better with the three chances that he had. What about the rest of the side? And that's where what comes comes down to being brave and taking the game by the scruff of the neck. 100%, mate. We, you know, when, when we look at the side, you know, the best sides we've had, so in the last 10, 15 years plus, you know, we, we've had midfielders who scored goals, haven't we? You know, the likes of your Cahills, your Fellaini's, even Arteta would chip in with several as well. So, yeah. Ross Barkley, it, it, another example. Ross Barkley, another example. When he had that great season, obviously, with, with, with Womalu. Um, yeah, I do think we need goals from midfield. You know, the rumours are we are looking for another midfielder in the um, in the summer. So, you know, let's hope we do sign someone um, that can chip in with a few goals. The Corey's had a good season for me. Um, overall, if you're going to analyse him, obviously the injury's a massive blow, like Pete said. I mean, he's out possibly for the rest of the season now. That's huge. Uh, if you're going to be super critical, you know, I'd probably want him to get on the end of a few more. Um, I know he's obviously been covering the right side and into that, but, you know, he, he scored quite a few goals, didn't he, for Watford? And uh, he, has, he has come up with a few important goals for us, but again, probably not enough. You know, you'd, want to, you'd probably want, if he plays a full season, probably six, seven, eight goals from him. Um, if, if you're being really honest, um, but you can't be super critical there. He's had he's had a good, decent first season for us. Um, but yeah, we've we've got we've got to score. I mean, Luca Dean's a big one as well. Um, you know, Luca's Luca's been brilliant since he's come to us. Great that he signed a new contract. That's fantastic news. Um, but he scored he scored some important goals for us as well. You know, I mean, I know his assists have been really spot on this season. He's been he's been um, right up there with the best in Europe in terms of assists. Um, but we do, we do need to, we do need to find goals. When I when I think of our best teams, there, Baines and Coleman, they chipped in with several goals as well, didn't they? You know, I mean, I know Leighton took pens a lot of the time, but you know, he, he chipped in with three or four free kicks. 
Uh, Coleman was all, you know, buccaneering down the right side. We get five or six goals a season. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it is a worry. It is a worry. Um, but I just wanted to highlight Dom again. I don't want to be, I don't want to be super critical, like I said, because he's been brilliant. And you know, if he did, let's be honest, if he did go in the summer, you know, there'll be clubs sniffing around him. There definitely will be. There's no doubt about it. If he did go in the summer, you know, his price now is easily 50, 60 million, if not more. Um, that's that that's that's a remarkable uh, uh, step up that he's done in the last 14, 15 months, like you said. I'd, I'd, I'd be honest, I'd be very surprised if he did, if he did go. So I think, you know, I'd, I'd, you get the impression Ancelotti's got a lot of good, you know, a lot of good faith with a lot of them players. I mean, there was the comment this week about Richarlison. He said the new, uh, as long as I'm here, Richarlison will be here, or something along those lines. Now, I think if Everton can get another somebody, hold on to everyone that they want to, like they did last year. You know, obviously we'll need to shift a couple out. But if you could get four additions that have improved us as much as the as the four did last summer, I think you I think you would actually start to really compete for top six, top four. But but I, th- I think kind of with as you say, Lee, with the, there's two players who really contribute goals, and you know, and not a lot else in that team. If you got kind of so, I, th- I think Europe this year might be a step too far. Certainly, top you know, top four is probably a step too far, and top six. You know, many more results like that yesterday. Top six would be a step too far, but you know, I think if you can kind of add at the same level and retain everyone, like your Calvert Lewin's and your Richarlison's, because I certainly wouldn't want to sell Calvert Lewin for the you know for the, the progress he's made in the last eighteen months. You'd hope another six twelve months under Ancelotti. What you know, what would happen with him? And um, you'd like I, you'd like to think I think that they can kick on a little bit next year if they get that window right. Well, let, let's hope so. I mean, there's a, obviously there's still a fair few games to go in, in the current season. Um, so there's still a lot, of, a lot of points to play for. But, the, you know, the, the more games that we go through and we're dropping three points at home to the likes of the likes of Burnley, you know, the, the further away Europe is, is going to seem. And the, the disappointing thing this season, and we've said it quite a few times this year, is that there's a chance there for, for sides to, to break the top four, to, to grab Europe. By, by the scruff of the neck and, and get in there. And I know the, the quality of players that we signed in the in the previous summer transfer window, the likes of James, Allen, people like that, they're used to playing European football. They want to play European football. They expect to play European football. So we, we've got to meet, obviously, um, their level. And we've you know they want to be there. The, the players that we've got tied down on long-term deals, the likes of Luca Dean, New Deal, Richardson, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, those players want to be in Europe as well. You know, with the, there's no bigger platform for any player than playing in the Champions League. But European football in general, they have to really want to be playing the trade. You know, and that's that's what we need to be to be getting. And if we don't get it this season, it's certainly going to be deemed as a bit of a failure because of the opportunity that we've got to break in um, into that. But I think one of the, like we touched on already, the, the biggest factor this season for us why we're we're not maybe where we should be, is our home form. To, to win only three games, to lose seven of our last ten at home, you know, is absolutely unheard of. To, to be 20th in terms of shots taken at home, you know, when we look at the sides who are in the Premier League this season, um, is, is not good enough. And, you know, it's, it's whether it's a style of play, whether it's players not being brave enough, whatever the reason is, but, you know, that isn't good enough. And we're sitting fourth in the table for our away form. You know, our away form is very, very good. 
we say that we feel it could be down to the fact that there's no fans in the ground is one, obviously one reason why. But but Peter, what, what, why do you think we're, we're struggling so much this season to to win a home? Because after the number of games we've played, to only win three, have three home wins on the on the uh, on the slate at this stage of the season is certainly not good enough, is it? Well, for me, it's got to, it's got to be the fans, isn't it? Has to be. Has to be. <laughs> it, you know, by the same extension, it's probably the reason why our, our, our away form's been so good. Um. And I, you know, I do, although I, obviously I'm not not criticising Goodison Park, I, I you know I love it, but it's a difficult pitch to play on. It's a hard pitch to play on. It's one of the smallest pitches in the Premier League, and I think now with the style of football that Everton want to play, that's you know possession based, often expansive, it's a hard pitch to attack on, particularly if you know if the other team goes ahead. And I do think that plays a massive factor. I think on a, you know on a bigger pitch, I think we're a much better team. Um, because there's more space and we can play the ball more quickly. I think when you play a team like Burnley at Goodison Park and they get they get, get a goal in front, they know it's a small tight pitch. They can play narrow, they can pull back. So I think if we're at Goodison Park and we don't get the first goal, I think we're in a really, really difficult position. Um, and I think, yeah, I think some of that's due to the size of the pitch and I think it's mostly due to not having fans in the stadium. I think that's definitely one factor, definitely. Uh, but that's the same for everyone in the league, isn't it? You know, there's, there's a lot of teams who've got... You know, it's not just those that have got an improved away form uh, record. There's loads of teams in the league that are getting rid of hoodoos. Um, and it's obviously you know a great time to do it while there is no opposition there. But a couple of stats here for you. So Michael Greenall, EFC, um, on Twitter has put some great stats out last night. I was looking at some of these. So we've had 18 league games in a row without out-shooting the opp- opposition. That's nuts, isn't it, when you think about it? That's home and away, by the way. So nearly half a season, West Brom, Fulham, Burnley, Sheffield United, just some of the teams we failed to outshoot, he's put on there. I mean, that is, when I read that, I just couldn't believe it. You know, we've been outshot by every team we've played in the last 18 games. And to put a bit of context to that, we were talking about creativity before that Mike, that Mike mentioned. Um, and to put a bit of context on it, Hamez has only played eight of those 18 games, the last 18 games we've played. So that says it all. But he also went on to, to be fair, looked at, he delved into that. And he said, um, in, of those eight games, Hamez's chance creation dropped down to 1.06. And in the first 10 games of the season, when we were flying, admittedly, we were one of the best teams in the league then. His, his chance creation was 2.76 per game. So it's dropped from 2.76 to 1.06 in the eight games he's played of the last 18. So what that says to me, if you look into that, is yes, there's a massive creativity issue, but because we've been so pragmatic, we're just not creating a great deal of chances either in these games. We're often, we're often nicking these games like we did against Southampton today, 1-0, you know, and then hanging on. The amount of games we've won, we've just nicked and hung on at the end or Pickford's made a save or... We've had a clearance, or even even one the other day when we played Burnley, we had one ruled off, didn't we? Short off right at the very end that could have easily been a draw. He was like, you know, half an inch offside. So that for me is 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 you know, as 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 Andy mentioned quite clearly on 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 the pod last week, we're a massive outlier on the graph in terms of you know taking our chances. We're literally way out on our own on the graph in terms of chances created and and chances taken, and eventually that catches up with you. That catches up with you, and that and that's shown. And that's definitely shown in some of the games we played this season. You know, we're just not creating enough chances. 
to put away these teams. And it doesn't help if you haven't got a fan base, obviously, because if you've got fans there, you know, they'd be screaming, wouldn't they? They'd be dragging the team forward. We wouldn't be playing side to side. We wouldn't be allowed to. You know, players would be having to having to play forward or having to clip it down the channel just to get the ball forward. So those stats, I don't know what you think there, though, but particularly the one where we've been outshot in eight in the last 18 games is nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And if if there's 40,000 fans in the ground, I don't think, honestly, think it, it happened because there's the certain... I think certain players, and I'm not going to sit here and name any kind of names either, but I think that at some point they're all guilty of it. Certain players feel when there's no fans there, they, they can take their foot off the pedal a little bit more than if they had 40,000 people screaming at them and telling them to, to move, close down, whatever it might be. And I think we would certainly approach games differently um, than, we, than we are at the moment. So I think trying to find that balance between being... Massively open is what we were seeing at the start of the season when we were scoring goals for fun, we were shipping them as well. But also being that bit more pragmatic because of, you know, when, when we are losing players to injury and uh, suspension, things like that, that we haven't got the quality on the bench to, to, to bring on and, and play the same kind of way. Um, but not having, not having, you know, any number of fans there is certainly, it's got to be the, the biggest factor to, to why, especially us. I mean, we... Goodison Park over the years has certainly been one of the toughest crowds to go to. Well, going back many, many years, you know, especially when the bigger sides are in town and they would always say how intimidating it was to come to Goodison Park. Like Pete said already, it's a tight pitch. The crowd is on top, on top of the players as well. You can hear everywhere that the, the fans are saying. Um, it's raucous, it's loud and take that away from, from any ground, but, you know, more specifically our ground. It's it's going to certainly impact the the performance of the players and and they're relying on this this self self motivation to to get themselves through games and um, we don't seem to have the the players and, and the quality of players throughout the side I don't think to 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 win to win certain games and know how to lift themselves in certain in certain moments um, and it's it's disappointing you know when you see inside like to say West Ham who. Are winning games that the that they are expecting to win, and you know they're not going on there having many issues in those games, and they're looking fairly comfortable when they're winning those games, and that, that's where they are where they are. And you know those kind of sides, Leicester, you know, comfortable again today was a five 0 win against Sheffield United at home, no problems. And you think, well, why can't we do that? Why can't we put these sides to the sword and and you know grasp our opportunity to? To get into those, you know, those tough four, tough five positions in the league, and that that's where it's disappointing. And all all I really can put it down to, without knowing the players individually, is the fact that there must be a reliance on having on having a home crowd. Um, but what what are your thoughts, Mike? Do you think any difference? Do you think it's solely down to the fans not being there, or is it something something more uh, untoward? Maybe. I, I think the fans is a huge part of it, and I think. The kind of grounds that are probably down as the most intimid- intimidating in terms of kind of fan presence in the league. I think you know we'd certainly be up there. In terms, of, Frank Lampard said, didn't he? Said they used to hate playing at Goodison because essentially that we were all horrible and we just didn't leave them alone. <laughs> um, you know, I think Roy Keane said something similar, but conversely, he loved playing there because for that reason. I think then down the road they've suffered because of it as well. You know, kind of big vocal presence, not having that. So I, I do think that's a large part of it. 
but but secondary to that, I, th- I think what Lee's point about it's this group of players. I think they're the type who who do probably need a bit of a you know a bit of a motivation, a bit of a bit of a shake to get going sometimes. Um, and, and I think particularly in the games where they've gone behind, you know, to not kind of your Newcastle's and you know yesterday to, to not go on and, and be able to kind of get a point out the game. They're the kind of get games you get a late Goodison, you know, a late Goodison goal to to equalise when everyone's on the back and, you know, kind of someone, one goes in off someone's backside from a corner or something like that. We've seen so many of them down the years that it's hard to discount Goodison as a factor in those positive results. And I, and I do feel like it has had a big effect on them this year, not just, you know, not the crowd, kind of the crowd effect on opposition, but also on our players as well, just not kind of giving them that drive forward or that bit of shake to, you know, to grab a game or to do something different or to push on. Um, so, so I, I do put it largely down to the Goodison factor. But suppose the paradox of that is we've benefited from that going away to a lot of places. Um, you know, if it all equalises itself out next year, you know, you need the benefits of, if, if we are going to get the Goodison factor back and we're all our back in next year, you need to find a way then to retain that away form. Um, which if other sides get a bounce, you know, it may not be as easy as saying, well, we've sorted the away problem out now. It's just, we've got, and we've got the fans back in Goodison, so that'll sort itself out. Next season, I, th- I think there's probably a bit of both need addressing, actually. It's not as black and white as that, is it? I don't think. I mean, if you, if you look at our stat, you just mentioned Leicester. We've taken four points off them this season. You know what I mean? We, you know, look at our record against the top six, so-called top six, inverted commas. You know, we, we've, we've had results against all of them. We've had results against all of them. Our record in the top six is, I think, I'm right in saying, is pretty much the best outside of City. So, you know, you know, if you look at someone like a West Ham, I don't, I don't delve into their stats, but I bet, I bet you that they've, they've taken a lot of points against the teams they should be beating. And then, you know, they, they've, you know, struggled against, a bit like Moyes did, really, struggled against the so-called better sides. But then they dismissed the, you know, the, the teams that we've lost to this season. We've almost had a, you know, a complete opposite season to them in terms of results, really. Because one thing Moyes will get out of that team, you can see it already. They're consistent. They're consistent and they're beating the teams they should be beating. So they won't just fall away. You know what I mean? They might, you know, they're playing United now at the minute, aren't they? So they've struggled, you know, against the, the, the top sides in the league, but they've put away the teams that we should have beaten. So what, what worries me, and I think Carlo's managed enough at the top game to know, you know, there was a turning point, Mike. You alluded to it before in terms of when he did revert to being more pragmatic. And it's simply down to the fact he probably doesn't trust the players when, when we have got a few key players out to play open, expansive football. And I've touched on it before, you know, and I'm, I'm still convinced it's right, it's right, really, in a way. that We were caught between two stools, really. If we score first, we're going to see out, try and see out this game. You know, we're going to try and see it out. And with the amount of games we've seen out with, like, you know, with still 50, 60 minutes to go, and they've been horrible watches. We've all had, we've all seen those games recently where we've, you know, had to try and hold on to a one nil. If we don't score first, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle. How many of us thought yesterday compared to the start of the season? As soon as we went two nil down, even one nil down, yeah, we're going to come back and beat these. I didn't. I certainly mm-hmm. didn't. And when as soon as it went to two nil, I'm thinking, we've got to score three goals here. Where are we getting three goals from here? Where are we getting three goals from? And I didn't know that start at the time that we haven't scored. Away, you know, we haven't scored at home, sorry, in the last 11 games in the second half. I mean, that's that that's nuts. We haven't scored at home in the second half in 11 games. I mean, that is just unbelievable. And, you know, and it, 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 for me, 
it could be the biggest frustration ever. You were definitely not ready for Champions League. You can see that. Europa League, you know, if we can get in there. But this could be a huge opportunity missed with the way this season's been this season, isn't it? In, in terms of trying to get into that, you know, that upper echelon top four. I don't think Leicester that much better than us. They've probably got a better squad than us, man for man, better squad. But I don't think they're that much better than us. And, and, and they're right up there, Leicester. They're right up there. If Leicester don't get top four now, I'd be very, very surprised. Um, and I don't think they're that much better than us. So from that point of view, it's hugely frustrating. But then we've also got a caveat, the fact that this is Ancelotti's first full season and it's his first proper transfer window. You know, so it will take time and we have to be we have to be respectful of that and we have to as fans, you know, it's gonna be it's frustrating, but at the same time, it, this could be a huge opportunity missed this, couldn't it, in terms of really getting into potentially that top four. Yeah, I, I think you and I have had the conversation, haven't we, Lee, though, about, around transfer windows and stuff. And, you know, Everton ultimately are playing catch-up with the sides above them in that we've we've not dealt well largely in the transfer market over the last, certainly pre-Marcel Brands. I think Brands has significantly improved it. But ultimately, I, I know there's this idea of we don't like the January transfer window and you don't get good business in it but if you're playing catch up the fact you get two windows a year and you've got to try and use them to improve your squad if you look at the bench we've had out in the last couple of games you know it's it's the kids and you know there's nothing to, and I'm all for bringing you through but there's nothing to say that any of them are going to be premiership players you, you know there's a, a, lot, you hear a lot of good things about Tyrone Yango and, and Thierry Small but you know, these players are probably two loans away from being premier, premiership players you know, kind of two loans to championship and, you know, 10, 15 games in the Prem before you know if they're going to make it. They're not the ones you want to be bringing off when you, you need two goals at home against Burnley or you need two away at Chelsea, I think. And I just feel like they've missed an opportunity, particularly in the January transfer window. Even if it was just one player in, an Aaron's or, you know, another right-back or a winger, just to add that bit more depth. Because... The, the business doing Josh King bringing him in, it doesn't look like he fancies him. You know, he hasn't taken the opportunity to use him, and he's been at the club what six weeks now. Mm, yeah, I think, totally, I think, totally, I think totally, yeah. we discussed Josh King didn't we last week with Andy, and I think yeah. a lot of a lot of it stem stems from one year built, building his way up, up sort of fitness wise, and and to obviously the the Premier League level again but also a trust factor with, with Carlo you know there's been calls for the last couple of weeks to give Josh King a start and I, I think he he always shouts it to get a start yesterday as well I would have probably gone with it with a bit of a front three with Calvert Lewin Richardson and and Josh King because I think you know his, his kind of pace and Richardson's pace Calvert Lewin's pace he can turn them you know quite quickly and um, that would have been a different factor to bring into the game but I think it, I think he will get his opportunity there's, there's a lot of talk about uh, us giving him a, a deal past the end of this season, which would be interesting to see if we do that. It'll be an easy one to do with, you know, a cheap deal and 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 probably freeze up funds just to, to to throw at the right hand side basically and and centre mid. Um but it's certainly a trusting with Carlo. That that that's pretty apparent, I think, with certain with certain players. Um but it's you know we we keep on going on about the same the same point that this this season's such an opportunity that if we don't get your, you know, not just Champions League football, we don't get European football, then we're going to look back on it and see it as a huge opportunity missed. And if fans are back in the ground, you know, for, in terms of full capacity or even, you know, half capacity, 
um, that's going to have a much more of a of a factor on games that we've probably won this season. <laughs> and you know, when we go to away grounds and and we, we could quite easily lose lose next next season. But um, yeah, right, here's one for here's one for you, mate. How many ball carriers we got in that team at the minute? There's not many. Not many ball carriers. I will be possibly one. So even yesterday, I mean, I'm not one to criticise Carlo far from it. The guy knows it, you know, a million times more than me. But I'd even thrown it, you know, Nkunku on. Why not? The lad runs with the ball. He's direct. He's skillful. You know, we need we needed a goal. We need two goals. You know, why not? Why not give him half an hour? Just running, just running down that left hand side, running at players. You know, what I mean, I mean, we've seen enough of him. Okay, look, he's still raw. But one thing he is, he's, he's direct, isn't he? How many players have we got on that pitch yesterday? That could just get the ball, and their first thought is not to look up and pass it, but their first thought is to kind of go right. I'm going to run at you. I'm just going to run at you, and when you're going to, you have to bring me down if you if you're going to tackle me. And we haven't got many players that can do that. They can commit players because Burnley play that way, regardless whether you know. Okay, they had a bit of a go yesterday, but if they won the luck, they're certainly going to sit off and try and defend that lead. And we needed someone just to be able to just run at players, take players out, you know, out of their, take them out of their formation. We were so slow and laborious on the ball. They were just allowing them to set it, get 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 set in their positions. Yeah, we still created the odd chance here and there to probably get something out of it. But I don't know what you think. I mean, we haven't seen anything of Nkunku at all, have we? Um, and, you know, he has been making the bench a lot, but he's not even been coming on at all. So I don't know what you boys think about that. I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be lashed on like that, is he? I think, you know, he's been brought in. Um, you know, a handful of games for for Marseille. You know, he played for for various sorts of levels with with with, uh, with Marseille, but he was never going to be brought in and looking to sort of start games or being brought on as an in, in, impact substitution. He's definitely there for the long haul. A player needs to develop. Um, so I don't think we're, we're going to see that with him. To be perfectly honest, and I don't no, think you know, you, you know what I mean. Like giving something different. Yeah, though. just giving yeah, something know, different to that team. She's just, just like, we've got nothing to lose here. We're bringing on Coleman down the right, which I think was probably the right sub, but he made it too late. Josh King, as I said, he, he, he clearly doesn't either look fit or he, he doesn't look like... I, can you can any of you guys think of him having a shot? I don't think he's had a shot yet. You know what I mean? Uh, or, or even had a, even had a chance. So, for me, you know, we needed something different yesterday. Uh, and look, I'm not saying you're bringing on Nkunku and he's going to be the next wonder kid, but in the flashes I've seen of him, or we've all seen of him, the kid's a talent. The kid's a talent. He's fast, he's direct, he's skillful. Um, what do you think, Pete? Would you, would you have lashed him on for half an hour yesterday to try and get some in? Well, I think really it was a choice between him and Josh King, wasn't it? I don't, I don't think you could have brought, brought them both on. I thought Tom Davies was unlucky to go off because I, I certainly didn't think he had a bad game. It felt like more of a tactical decision, but I think as soon as Carlo made that choice, really, it was a, a shout between Josh King or uh, Cuckoo. But yeah, it's, maybe it's because he's a young player or you know doesn't fully trust him. I, I feel a bit. Um, sorry for Josh King in some ways. I'm hoping he's sort of been eased in as a more of a fitness precaution, really, given the, the small amount of football he's had. Because whenever he's sort of come on for us, it's often been in quite difficult games and difficult circumstances where, where you know, teams are, um, you know, sort of standing us up and he's not getting a lot of joy on the ball. And for me, I'd, I'd just love to see him get 90 minutes um, and have a bit more freedom and, uh, you know, be able to show us what, it, what he can do. Because I've seen him play phenomenal games plenty of times against us um, and he's, he's had you know several really good se- seasons for Bournemouth so I'd like to see him get more football and yeah I'm still sulking a bit about Alex Awobi's performances and for me I, I don't see how he could do worse than 
um, than Awobi, and it, it, it might do Awobi a bit of good to have a bit of pressure taken off him um, after his performances recently and his comments as well. The thing is, if I'm Josh King, though, right, and we, play, we played Fulham at home the other day, and they played Sigurdsson as a false nine, if I'm Josh King, whether I'm fully fit or not, you could still probably play 60 minutes. I'm smashing on the manager's door going, why, why am I not playing in that game? Why am I not playing up front in that game? I'm a striker, and you're playing Gilfie Sigurdsson as a false nine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, look, he's only been there a short time. But, you know, Carlos seems the type of guy that you can go and speak to him. You know, he's not that sort of cumin type where, you know, I'm going to have my lunch on my own, you're locked and sit outside. You know what I mean? So, I, I just think I, that, that for me, as a player, if I've just signed, that's an opportunity to get 60, 70 minutes under your belt in a game against Fulham, you know, who, who, who are in a bit of form at the minute, but they're certainly not the best team in the league, as we know. Um, but what do you think, Mike? I, I, I think it's difficult because I think, you know, as you said, all that stuff about banging on the manager's door. I think that you look at that Everton team and there's two names on the team sheet who, if, if they're fit, they play. And it's Calvert Luna and Richarlison. I, you, you probably had Luca Dean in there, maybe. A lot of the rest of it, I think you can rotate in and out. Um, I, so if you're going to try and break that two up, I think it's actually quite difficult to kind of do this thing of banging on the door. But I'd agree with Pete's point around trust. I don't think, um, so I don't know if Pete or Mike made the point, but I don't think Ancelotti trusts him yet. Because if he had, I think he would have given him a go. And I think he's that type of manager where it takes a bit of time to earn trust. I think that's why you haven't seen more of Nkunku than, you know, the couple of cup games at the start and the Newcastle away game. Whatever happened in that, he just hasn't trusted him since. And I get the impression with Josh King that it's a, it's a lack of trust in him, that he's, he's not going to do what he's asked to do. Or what he wants him to do, so he, he's not going to put him in that start and mix for a while yet. Yeah. But even that's, yesterday, that's... even sorry, mate, even yesterday, I'd, I'd, I'd a potential. I know he changed it. But I don't know what you boys. I, I would have potentially played Davis in the sitting role. I think that's Tom's best role now. And then I'd, I'd yeah. Alan slight Alan slightly ahead of him going down, has, you know, hasting people and you know trying to trying to nick the ball off him higher at the pitch. I think you know, I think Davis would have been better suited to play that 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 sort of six role yesterday. And then you know bump bump Allen on a bit further on. I think that you know we would have seen a different maybe dynamic possibly to our midfield then. Um, but look, we can rant about it all day, can't we? At the end of the day, we've just not been good enough in these games, have we? We we, we haven't, and obviously it's it's disappointing, it's unfortunate. But we we've got to we've got to always try and put. It sounds sounds really uh, dismissive, but but put these performances behind us because the the next game is always a big game and. And there's no bigger game than what's coming up, obviously, this weekend against Manchester City in the FA Cup quarter final. Because, you know, a side who are running away with the Premier League this season, um, a side who very much, you know, they can say we can win the lot, which they quite <laughs> quite comfortably could. Uh, they got a shout and everything. And, you know, when, when the draw was made, it was, a, it was the toughest draw we, we, could, have, we could have got, um, especially with it being at home, because we can't seem to, to win a game at home. But... You know, Mike, do you think that we can uh, we can go into this game with um, optimism and and approach it maybe a, a bit differently to what how we would approach a league game against them? Well, I, I think you put it off a goal. <laughs> the, the difficulty is, as just everyone said, they're flying. You know, they don't don't look like dropping a point. You don't look like dropping many points or losing a game. I, I think you would back Ancelotti to come up with something for this. You know, if if Everton win it, I think it'll be a one 0 win. Um, if they do manage to nick it, I think you may see 
either the four centre halves at the back or a kind of or three at the back and kind of similar to what he did against Liverpool, where he, he gets you know he gets the full backs to track their full backs coming out and sit you know sit kind of Holgate and uh, and Godfrey around Keane or Mina um, and and try and you know kind of try and break them up like that and hit them on the break with the Richarlison Calvert Lewin. Um, but but I, I do think it'll be very difficult. But you know, optimist of the Evertonian and he thinks, you know, if if you're going to win it, you probably got to beat them at some stage. So better, you know, why not do it now than you know after after trying to do it at Wembley on a, on a bigger pitch that would probably suit them a bit more. Mm. Pete, are you are uh, thinking thinking the same there in terms of um, how the game's going to going to finish with Man City? Have you have you got a chance? Do you do you think that you know the, they're going to be too much for us, or will Carlo have something up his sleeve to approach the game a little bit a little bit differently? No, no, because I, I think it is what it is. I, I think we'll set up a similar way to when we played them at home in the league. Despite our home form, I, I'll go back to what I said about Goodison Park. I think because of the size of the pitch, it's probably our best shout to play him. Um, I, th- I think we'll set up hard to beat. Probably that sort of forward the back, um, maybe Godfrey left back potentially, and and Dean in front of him, and look to play on the counter attack, likely four four two, and I, I think we've just got to get a little bit more fortunate. I think I think you know there was the Mares worldy, wasn't there um, when we played them in the league that ultimately sort of killed us off. I think it's one of them. I, I just think they're unbelievable. They they, they hit this. Unreal turn of form. They've got amazing squad depth. I mean, De Bruyne's not had a sniff this season, has he? I know you know he's been in and out with various injury problems, but even when he's been in the team, he's not the one that's making them tick. They've they've got so many players that they can rely on for not just creativity but consistency. Um, so it, you know we'll have to be at our best, and you know let's hope that if someone like Josh King does come in, um, you know he can show us what he can do. Lee, what 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 are your thoughts on the game? Are you have you got the the same optimism there as uh, as Pete got? I had a, <laughs> I had a lot more optimism uh, uh, when the draw was made. I'm less optimistic the closer the tie gets, to be honest. Um, especially coming off the back of that performance. But like I said before, ironically, we've been you know we've had results against the teams that have uh, had more possession against the city. City will certainly have that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people saying out there, let's just go and have a go. Let's not go out with a win, but let's have a proper go. We, we can't open up against them. We cannot open up against them. Um, yeah, it could be a cricket score if we open up against them and then try and go toe to toe with City, especially with the key players we've got out. We had nine injuries against Burnley. You know, nine injuries. You know, we're not going to go in there with with our with our best team. Um, unfortunately, because of that reason. So we've just got to go like we did when we played them at Goodison and just just try and stay in the game as long as possible. Possibly try and nick a goal, um, or you know, as we said before, you know, maybe try and get one if we can get it to pens, get it to pens, and try and knock him out that way. But um, City are, are absolutely flying, and the worrying thing is, is De Bruyne is starting. To, you know, Pete mentioned De Bruyne. Yeah, he's been in and out with injuries. He's starting to come into a bit of form. We got two in the week the other day. Um, you know. Aguero started the other day for the first time and God knows how long as well. You know, not a bad player just to bring in, you know, uh, ca- casual Sergio Aguero. Um, you know, and don't be surprised now because obviously it's his last last season at City now. If, if he if he doesn't start, 
um, playing a few more games in the last sort of you know dozen games of the season, certainly in the Champions League and the Premier League. So one thing that might go in our favour is that he might you know with, with the congestion of fixtures he might he might actually rest a few key players. But like you know like Pete just said there, you know Mares doesn't play, Bernardo Silva comes on. You know what I mean? Um, the, the squad is ridiculous. You know they didn't even play at the weekend against Fulham. Gundogan or De Bruyne didn't even get one minute on the pitch. You know they can play. They can afford to play people like Phil Foden, who's going to be obviously a ridiculous talent. Um, so yeah, they've got quality all over the show. And for me, if we can just keep it as tight as possible, I see that's the only way we're going to get anything out of this game. And that's not trying to be pessimistic. It's being realistic. I think. You've got to be realistic. You know, it's, we know the quality City City possess. You know, besides that United defeat that that one blip on the record, and you know, over the last the last few months, really, um, we know the quality that that Man City possess, and it's going to be a, a, a real tough game. I, I agree with what everyone's saying in terms of keeping keeping things tight, and you know, looking looking not to obviously not to concede. We, as you said, we we can't open. Open wide up against against Man City. It's just it, it can't happen. It won't happen. Um, I think like like Mike was saying, whether we go with the four centre halves as our our back four potentially probably the way we're going to go. Um, Coleman potentially tracking again, so playing a little bit further forward. Luca Dean's another option on that side as well. You want to put Godfrey behind Luca Dean and, and go a little bit more a little bit more defensive, but try and try and be stable and, and strong in in that sense. But you know, I'm I'm always the optimist when it comes to Everton. It's it's a one-off game. It's it's FA Cup. It's quarter-final time. You know, we've 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 always got a chance. Of course, of course, we haven't. And I think I've said this already for when we recorded something earlier on for something else. I think we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna win on pens. That that that's my prediction. I'm going right in there with a with a nil-nil draw and a win on pens. Mike, what what's your prediction for the game, mate? Uh, <laughs> I think if we're going to go to pens, you need Virginia to save five because I think there's only about one Everton player who'd score a pen. To be honest, but uh, I, I I think I'll be I'll be an optimist and just say Everton one nil with Charleston. Pete. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be optimistic. I think we'll win, but if we do win, I know exactly how it'll happen. It'll happen in a really awful way where I'll feel sick for 115, 120 minutes of football <laughs> <laughs> with the penalties. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a 12-11 um, a, a to Everton on penalties. <laughs> a 1-1 one, one full time. That's people going round again, mate. It's going round again. Um, Lee? I reckon, I reckon pens as well. Um, I think that's our best shout. Either that or we try and nick one on a set piece or something. Um, but I, I think if we do go through, we might we might we might nick it on pens. Look, United, United beat them the other day. They ended their unbeaten record, and United obviously got a penalty after thirty seconds, and obviously you know um, gave them a good game, and that rattled them a little bit. Um, but obviously they've got back on the winning train again since. Um, but um, yeah, I, I reckon I reckon pens. If we can get through, we've got a, we've got a chance, haven't we? We've got a real chance. We're in the semis, but it's a massive ask, massive ask. It is, it is, but let's see, let's see, let's let's go in there with it with a bit of hope and, and optimism. Um, we're going to finish this week's show off with a, another another round, another another little uh, little section of getting the top in. As per usual, we ask our guests to bring a subject uh, that that really grates on them from the world of modern football, whether it be social media, whatever it might be, referee, referees, VAR, whatever you've got. 
Mike, take it away. Yeah, my, my own fellas, it's a, it, it may be a bit controversial for a, for a, uh, for a, for a podcast, but um, it, it's the YouTube fan watch-alongs. I just... <laughs> I, I, I just think they bring the worst out of football. I do. I mean, I we have a good laugh at the odd clip, but I just, uh, I think they just become performative now. Like it started off for Arsenal fan TV, where they just seem to have the collection of some of the worst characters you could find, saying ridiculous things after games, and it's now seems to have mutated into you know fellas sitting in the bread in the bedrooms or with a green screen behind them shouting at a screen, and uh, for me, I just think it's. It, it kind of brings out the worst the football fans do. I think, you know, it's it's performative. You know, there's no common sense in it. You get kind of, you get these people who, strangely, kind of are better off if the team lose. You know, you get like Arsenal fan TV, they're saying they get more, they, effectively, the guy makes more money when Arsenal lose than if they win, which is, you know, it just seems to me to be so, I, I just can't get my head around it where you can make your own team lose and you your business really and I think it, it's gone into these kind of green screen watch-alongs now where there's people watching you know fellas watching games giving their own form of commentary on it and shouting at the screen and just shouting absolute nonsense so I think I, I've, I've started to get a real bug with it over like kind of through kind of through lockdown as well because they just seem to have come to the fore a lot more now that people can't go to games um, and I kind of commented with one of my mates today we were saying that that it seems to be this generation of football fans now who would rather be right uh, about something and write about an opinion about the team than just be happy that the team won. So you, yeah. you see a lot of these accounts where, you know, will slate a player at their own club and, you know, will go quiet on it when the player starts performing. And as soon as they're poor again, they'll jump on the back of them. You know, see, we have it, it's, you know, we have it with the certain kind of sections of Evertonians do it as well. But, you know, the... Uh, particularly the clubs where there's these kind of big YouTube presences and these kind of watch-alongs, you'll see like there's these, the players who just get it or, you know, kind of certain managers who get it. And it's like these fans are waiting for their own teams to start slipping up for me. So that's kind of my short rant about an extensive category of information that should go into the top bin. Well, mate, it's a great show. I mean, some of the ones that the Reds have got are shocking as well, aren't they? I mean, what's what's the lad? The lad that Hendo's bedroom kid. What's his name? He's, he's the worst of the lot. He is. Mum Hendo I mean, scored. Oh yeah, mum mum Hendo scored. And then like he comes sprinting back in. Then he goes, no no, you can't you can't give that. You can't give you can't you can't give that. And no, 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 you can't give. No no, I've just celebrated like that. <laughs> what, what, what logic is that? I've celebrated like that, ref, in my bedroom. So you can't give it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then uploads the video. And then upload the video to make, yeah, exactly. I mean, oh, mate, it's just absolutely shocking. Then there's the Irish one as well, and he's hilarious as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's absolutely hilarious, isn't he? He is. They've scored. They've scored. They've scored. You know what I mean? It's just like... But it's, I mean, it, it, it is funny, isn't it? Because you see, like, I mean, there was a thing the other week about, there was one of the Everton, uh, kind of Everton fan accounts was laughing that. A load of them from a, you know, from Norman across the park had turned on each other. You know, kind of the, the YouTube accounts and the fan accounts and stuff, and... You know, not like you know, it wasn't the big ones of note, but you know, it was a lot of the more minor ones that turned on each other, on on the back of you know, kind of what people had said after a loss and things like that. But I just think it's you know, it's people just playing up to the camera, you know, like yeah. there's yeah. no way, like you wouldn't act like that in a stadium. There's absolutely no way, you know, and as as bad as however is your team are. So the the fact that you kind of 
you're sitting in your back bedroom with a green screen on and that makes people think that they can act like that or come up with these ridiculous opinions for the sake of the performance. I just I just I will never get my head around it. Why why people think it's you know the right way to watch football for me. Right, yeah, completely agree. As well, recording yourself at the match. What's that all about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There to yeah, watch yeah, the no, footy. Yeah. Why are you filming yourself yeah. watching the footy? And <laughs> more to the point, why are other people interested in watching other people filming themselves watching the footy? I don't get it at all. It's so weird. And I completely agree with you because it, then it almost becomes like the reaction to the match is more important than what's happened. Don't get it at all. People need to <laughs> sort themselves it's, out. Well, you see, you see it at gigs, Pete. We've been to enough gigs over the years, man. We were literally 99% of the front row and actually watching the gig, they're filming it. You know what I mean? And it's just like, how are we taking the experience here? You know, we're all, we've all got phones. Obviously, we're guilty of things in some ways. But, I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, now the watch-alongs are just taking it to another level. And I think you're right. Arsenal Fan TV were the first ones to do it. Um, I like the main fella that does it. He seems quite reasonable. It's the fella yeah. he's got on with him now. I mean, this, you know, Arsenal want to be gangsters. And you know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah, it's just it's cringing more than anything. Mike, what do you think, mate? Would you do you agree? Uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a scourge of modern football and, and the modern fan almost, isn't it? You know, and like 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 Mike said, then with with obviously lockdown and us not being allowed to go to the game, we, you see more and more pop up. And you know, when people want to watch it, like, you know, watch it, but it's not something which which entertains me. Um I think I think, you know, that there's a lot of really good Fan media out there in terms of you utilize YouTube. I think I've got a couple of real, real high quality fan media outlets to be honest, which don't do don't do watch alongs. But you know, I think the quality that's produced from the likes of Toffee TV and the, the Toffee Blues is, is fantastic and something which which I think you know fans really enjoy. But I think you know it's different level when you 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 you're watching people watch the game. You know, I, I've never never particularly understood it. I, don't, I wouldn't get enjoyment from it. Um, and I think it does get to the point, and I, I can't start labelling people and saying who do it and who doesn't. I don't know, but I think it's evident with certain people that a lot of it is put on for the uh, for the camera, and a lot of the reactions are put on for, because the camera's there and people are watching. And you know, when, when you start throwing money into it and it getting monetized and all that, it starts to get a little bit daft, doesn't it? Because it's that, that that's when you will see the overreactions and the yeah. playing up to, to the camera, and that that that's the problem, isn't it? But yeah. Listen, it's. I don't think there's going to be any kind of uh, dissenting voices here, you know, about not putting it in the top bin. I think it's quite clear this. This is something which, uh, which needs to get lashed in the in the in the top bin. You know, I, I, I take it we're all agreed on that. By the way, without me just uh, saying that we all are. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Slam dunk that one in, mate. Yeah. So no, no, no protestations there from ourselves. Absolutely. So Mike, absolutely. So Mike uh, you join us for the watch along next week, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man City, Man City watch along coming up. I mean, yeah, I mean, if this lockdown goes on another twelve months, I might have me. I might have my own. <laughs> it's gone. I think. I mean, I think it is key. It is important to differentiate. Oh, Mike, as you said, you know, there's a lot of right across the spectrum of the clubs in the league. You know, there is there is a lot of really good content out there of you know people, you know, different analysis of the game or you know different sources of stats and stuff. Or you know different comments and, and getting kind of different interviews with current players and ex players, and I do think that's great. I do think that's really important. But you know there, there is this kind of little minor elements of it now that are coming more to the fore of. It, it is the you know I'm going to 
the empty can makes the loudest noise a little bit. Really. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the more, like you said, the more dramatic you are, the more views it gets. The more views you get, the more money you make, isn't it? It's becoming a bit about that. That's almost like a bit, of, you know, an inkling into social media and modern society in general, though, isn't it? Um, you know, the more outrageous you can be with your opinions, the more traction you actually get. Um, unfortunately, that's the society we live in at the minute in, in terms of social media in general, not just podcasts, sadly. But like you said, on the flip side of that, there's some great content. There's some great content out there. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, there's some great ones linked to, to, to our club. There's, there's ones, that are, you know, different sports. There's ones in terms of psychology of sport. And obviously, like, business-related ones, things like that as well. You know, there's some great stuff out there. Podcasts would be brilliant, I think, um, you know, in terms of, you know, where they are now. Because they're almost a, almost a step back, really, isn't it? Like, you know, everything was going, vi- you know, for, for, uh, video. Uh, and now it's almost reverting back to audio, isn't it, with podcasts? Uh, so it's great from one perspective, perspective with that. But, yeah, definitely the watch-alongs, though, mate, yeah. Get them in the pin. <laughs> Totally and I'm sure those who do the watch-alongs might have a sort to say about fans doing podcasts like ourselves, and that that's totally, totally their their choice. But unfortunately, we ain't on board with, with the watch-alongs on on this uh, on this show. But Mike, absolute pleasure to have you on the show this week, mate. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Really just hope uh, you know if, if if you have me back on, it's to want to talk about a win and not about a a barely beating us a good as. <laughs> I know we, we'll try. We'll try and uh, save the invite until uh, until we win another game, mate. For you, that, that's for sure. But you're welcome on. Welcome on any any time. Welcome on any time. Uh, but we will be back. We'll be back next week ourselves. Hopefully, looking back on a positive FA Cup quarter final game against Manchester City. So we'll catch you there. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three Blues. Three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.